Welcome to church today. If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to follow along as we receive the word of the Lord. Turn to the book in Numbers chapter 14. Israel had a spirit of complaint. In the face of all that the Lord had done, in light of all that the Lord had accomplished, this spirit of complaint, the Bible tells us that they complained against Moses and Aaron. Numbers 14, verse 2, And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in the land of Egypt, or if only we had died in this wilderness. The Bible tells us that they complained against the Lord. Numbers 14, verse 27. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. They complained in their tents. Deuteronomy 1, verse 27. And you complained in your tents and said, Because the Lord hates us, He has brought us out of the land of Egypt to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us. This spirit of complaint in light of all that the Lord had done, even in the face of all that the Lord had done, they complained about conditions and they complained about provisions. Incredibly, the Lord kept coming through for them. The Lord kept moving. The Lord kept working. The Lord kept coming through for His people. But then, that was enough. Number 17, verses 1 to 10. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and get from them a rod from each father's house, all their leaders according to their father's houses, twelve rods. Write each man's name on his rod, and you shall write Aaron's name on the rod of Levi, for there shall be one rod for the head of each father's house. Then you shall place them in the tabernacle of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And it shall be that the rod of the man whom I choose will blossom. Thus I will rid myself of the complaints of the children of Israel, which they make against you. So Moses spoke to the children of Israel, and each of their leaders gave him a piece, a rod apiece. For each leader according to their father's houses, twelve rods. And the rod of Aaron was among their rods. And Moses placed the rods before the Lord in the tabernacle of witness. Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses went into the tabernacle of witness, and behold, the rod of Aaron of the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds, had produced blossoms and yielded ripe almonds. Then Moses brought out all the rods before the Lord to all the children of Israel, and they looked, 
And each man took his rod. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me lest they die. There is not to be complaint in our hearts. There is not to be complaint in our mouths. There is not to be complaint outside nor inside our tents. There is not to be a spirit of complaint among the people of God. Israel had this spirit of complaint. But there is not to be a spirit of complaint among the people of God. No complaining about leaders and rulers. No complaining about the Lord. No complaining about conditions and provisions. And the Lord would say to us today, put your complaints away from me. Words of Charles Spurgeon. Jesus wept, but he never complained. Jesus wept, but he never complained. Jesus never complained about conditions, and he certainly never complained about provisions. Jesus Christ was free of complaint. There was no complaint in his heart. There was no complaint in his mouth. You see, complaint is a killer. Complaint is a relationship killer. Complaint is a joy killer. Complaint is a focus killer. Complaint is a courage killer. Complaint is a praise killer. Complaint is a contentedness killer. And complaint is a gratitude killer. Jesus never complained. He never complained when he was tried and tested. He never complained when he was pressed. Jesus Christ never complained when he was rejected or when he was mocked or when he was spat upon. Jesus never complained when he was all alone. Jesus never complained about the calling. He never complained about the Father's will. He never complained about the strictness and preciseness of holy living. Jesus never complained about anything. We set our eyes on the scene in the garden. Luke chapter 22, verses 41 and 42. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Mark 14, verse 36. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. 
Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. We know the pressure that he was under. We know the strain. We know the trial. We know the agony. We understand to some degree all that he carried, the weight that Jesus carried. Luke 22, verse 44, and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Jesus never complained. He never complained about the calling. He never complained about the Father's will. Not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Jesus was always surrendered. Surrendered to the Father and to His will. Whatever the conditions, whatever the provisions, all seasons, all situations, all circumstances, all places, no complaint. No matter where he found himself, no complaint. No matter the journey, no complaint. No matter the environment, no complaint. You say, what about the cross? When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was, was that not complaint? No. No, it wasn't. Matthew 27, beginning at verse 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood there, when they heard that, said, This man is calling for Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, and put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink. The rest said, Let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth quaked, and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 1. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I hear weeping, I hear lamenting, but here is no complaint. Here is Jesus pouring out his heart before his Father. Here is Jesus referencing Psalm 22, for he is the fulfillment of the psalm. Verses 1 to 3, 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear, and in the night season, and I'm not silent, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Jesus wept. He poured out his heart before the Father, but there was no complaint in Jesus. Verses 14 to 21, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within me. My strength is dried up like potsherd, and my tongue clings to my jaws. You have brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far from me. O my strength, hasten to help me, deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. Can we not see the correlation here? Jesus Christ, the fulfillment of Psalm 22. Verses 27 to 31. And the ends of the world shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nation shall worship before you. For the kingdom is the Lord's and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth shall eat and worship. And those who go down to the dust shall bow before him. Even he who cannot keep himself alive. A posterity shall serve him. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. It will be recounted of the Lord to the next generation. They will come and declare his righteousness to a people who will be born that he has done this. No complaint. I believe Jesus was pointing to the end of Psalm 22 where life and hope and praise are expressed. He underwent this forsaking, this unimaginable forsaking. This forsaking was necessary, and Jesus knew it. He quoted the beginning of Psalm 22, and this was the beginning of all that was to come. This was the beginning of a glorious ending. A glorious ending where people would turn to the Lord. Worship, a ruling over the nations, a feeding, fellowship, reconciliation and relationship, a posterity serving the Lord, generations succeeding future generations being told of all that Christ has accomplished. The Passion Translation reads, From the four corners of the earth, the peoples of the world will remember and return to the Lord. Every nation will come and worship Him, for the Lord is King of all, who takes charge of all the nations. There they are. 
They're worshiping. The wealthy of this world will feast in fellowship with him right alongside the humble of heart, bowing down to the dust, forsaking their own souls. They will all come and worship this worthy king. His spiritual seed shall serve him. Future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the sovereign Lord. His generation yet to be born will glorify him, and they will all declare, it is finished. Jesus knew what it would take to fulfill Psalm 22. To fulfill Psalm 22, the final words of Psalm 22, the New King James Version, He has done this. The Passion Translation, it is finished. Look at John chapter 19, verses 28 to 30. Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, that the Scripture might be fulfilled, said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there, and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop, and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. The beginning and the end of Psalm 22. I'm sure that Jesus heard of the complaint of Israel, of the complaint of Israel in the past, how the people of God had this spirit of complaint, in the sight of all that the Lord had done, even in light of all that the Lord had accomplished for them, the spirit of complaint. They complained about leaders and rulers. They complained about the way the Lord was leading them. They complained about conditions and provisions. They complained and they complained and they complained. And yet the Lord kept coming through for them, kept moving and working on their behalf. But there came a time when the Lord said, this is enough. Put your complaints away from me. I'm sure Jesus had heard of the complaint of Israel in the past. Jesus knew the Scriptures. He knew how they complained against Moses and Aaron, against rulers and leaders. He knew of their complaint against the Lord, how they complained in their tents, how they complained about the conditions and how they complained about the provisions. Jesus knew his father's words to Moses. And the Lord said to Moses, Bring Aaron's rod back before the testimony to be kept as a sign against the rebels that you may put their complaints away from me, lest they die. Complaint is a killer. Complaint is a relationship killer. It kills our relationship with the Lord when we begin to complain. Complaint is a joy killer. It's a courage killer. It's a contentedness killer. It's a gratitude killer. Look what the Lord has done for us. 
Look at all that the Lord has done for us. How he's worked his miracle in us. How he's worked his miracle in our lives. How he's led us out of Egypt, the old life. How he's rescued us and saved us. How he's leading us even now in the present. And how he will lead us in the future. Look at what the Lord has done for us. How could we ever complain? He is all faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. How could we have a spirit of complaint against the Lord? As he leads us, his ways are perfect. In him there is no shadow of turning. He truly is the father of lights. How could we have a complaint against the Lord? A complaint against what he's done and what he's doing and what he will do. His ways are perfect. Our lives are in his hands. And as his will unfolds, as his plan unfolds, no matter what comes our way, we have to remember that his will is our hope. His will is our hope. We see how Jesus cried out, if this cup can pass for me, nevertheless not my will, but your will be done. His will is perfect. His will is higher than our will. Often we can't see the big picture. We get caught up in what we can see. What the Lord is saying to us, just release that to me. Put your complaints away from me. Just trust me. He never fails. All things are possible. All things are possible for the Lord. Let there be no complaint. Heaven forbid we complain about the very things His will requires. Jesus didn't complain as He journeyed. Jesus didn't complain as He suffered. As He faced loneliness, as He was rejected, spat upon all these things, He knew that this road was a road that had to be walked. He trusted in the Father. He said, Lord, Your will be done. Lead me in this life. Whatever it looks like, heaven forbid we complain about the very things His will requires. And heaven forbid we complain about lacking things His will can't have. There is not to be complaint in our hearts. There is not to be complaint in our mouths. There is not to be complaint outside nor inside our tents, our homes. No complaint. We don't go behind closed doors and complain. There is not to be a spirit of complaint among the people of the Lord. I want to encourage us all to put away our complaints. No complaining about leaders and rulers. No complaining about the Lord. No complaining about conditions and provisions. No matter if we are accepted or rejected praised or mocked, in company or all alone. The Father's will is our hope. And the Lord says to us today, put your complaints away from me.
Let gratitude be our attitude. Let gratitude be our manner, our mode. Let it be the tenor of our lives. Crying out that His will would be accomplished and understanding that the very things we may face in this life, the things we perhaps could complain about, let there be no complaint. Let us understand that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord, the Bible says. Let us understand that His perfect plan is unfolding. Let us never complain about the very things His will requires. His will is our hope. Let us put our complaints away. R.C. Sproul said these words, The complaint that church is boring is never made by people in awe. I would say complaint isn't made by people that are in awe. There is no complaint in the heart or in the mouths of people that are in awe of what God is doing. We have to keep our eyes set and focused on what God is doing. We have to remain surrendered as Jesus Christ was surrendered, crying out, nevertheless, your will be done, O Lord. Your will be done. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and in earth as it is in heaven. Lord, however you have to lead us, that your will be accomplished in our living and in our lives. So be it, Lord. So be it, Lord. The Lord would say to us today, put complaint away from me. Complaint hurts us. Complaint strips our life bare. That's why the Lord cautions us against complaint. We know what complaint does to us. We know what it does to those around us. The Lord would say, trade complaint for gratitude today. Look at what the Lord has done for you. How he's led you in the past and how he's leading you right now. And thank him for how he will lead you into the future. The Lord has a plan to prosper us, give us a hope and a radical future. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. And Lord, this word comes to encourage us. This word comes to refocus us, Lord. And God, I pray that if there is any complaint in us, that we would recognize it by your spirit even right now. And Lord, that we would put the complaint aside. We would, we would ask for forgiveness, Lord. If we've complained against rulers and leaders, if we've complained against you, if we've complained about conditions and provisions, Lord, I pray that we would just set those things aside even right now. Lord, we would begin to focus on the goodness of God, begin to focus on your faithfulness, how you are so faithful. Lord, we are your servants. We thank you for how you are leading us, God. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that accept what your will requires.
the road your will requires. Lord, let us, let us be a people in awe, a people in awe of what you've done, a people in awe of the wonderful work that you've accomplished and that you are accomplishing. Let us be a people full of gratitude, always praising you. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do. We serve you. Amen. God bless you today. Be encouraged. Go with God.